Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Joey Sudamir, CIO at Texas Health Resources. In this segment, we discuss the key role that Honesty plays in forming a successful vendor partnership, how his background gave him the knowledge to handle the wide range of conversations that CIOs have, and why it's critical to know when to kick it into high gear and when to conserve energy. Looking outside of the organization, as far as how you manage vendor relationships, I just wanted to talk about what your strategy is for building and maintaining a strong relationship with the vendors and really making sure that that your organization is getting what you need out of the, uh, you know, out of the contracts, out of the, the agreements. Yes. It's, again, not to sound like a broken record, but my approach to vendors is just based on those same foundations. Um, I'm very honest and open with vendors. Um, there is a fine line, in my opinion, that has to be formed to where, A, you recognize that this can't be, for the long term, a one-sided relationship either way. Um, it has to be, to not sound cliche, but it has to be win-win for both parties, um, at the same time, I think it's important that we have to remove emotional connection from any of those discussions. Mine and my team's first responsibility is to Texas Health Resources, and we form close relationships with vendors. And as you know, the deeper relationship you form with somebody, sometimes that makes it harder to have difficult conversations. And so yeah. we try to keep this fine line of making sure we're producing win-win for both organizations, being very upfront and honest, but at the same time making sure that they understand that the the primary organization we serve is Texas Health Resources and and not whatever goods or services the vendor is peddling. Right. Yeah. Tricky balance, I'm sure. (laughs) It is, but I I found, and we've got great partners, uh, long-term partners, and I found that they appreciate that that honesty and transparency. And um, I try really hard, to, and my team tries really hard to not put our immediate vendor contacts in situations where their credibility is ruined. So um, I know, and I've been in situations before and created them where we kind of tell the vendor all along, yes, we're going to do this, yes, we're going to do this, yes, we're going to do this, and then, you know, pull the rug out, so to speak. And, and we don't want that to be the situation. We want to be very honest with our vendors about where we're thinking about committing our financial resources, what our roadmap is, and from the early onset, the likelihood that we are to invest in any given technology or system. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I'm sure, as you said, that vendors appreciate that honesty and it helps them to create a better product. I believe so. And, And we try to give open and honest feedback about where things are working for us and where they're not working. And, and at the same time, kind of going back to that win-win mantra, you can't just constantly beat on vendors because then it becomes a, a drum that just gets sounded out. And so we try to be very strategic in our conversations about what's working and what's not. I mean, obviously, there are situations where an immediate escalation is appropriate in a downtime type scenario or whatever it may be. But for the most part, if we can sort of plan out those conversations about when things, what things are working and what things aren't, it really builds a much more spirited and collaborative discussion about how the relationship can be strengthened. Right. Okay. 
you mentioned before you've been with the organization for nine years so in, in different roles. And I would guess that having some of those different roles and, and working with, with different people has, has helped shape kind of how you approach your role now. Is that the case? I think so. You know, like I said, there's pluses and minuses to being um, an internal candidate. You know, the obvious is that your ramp-up time is much quicker, and the expectations are that it would be much quicker, as they should be. Um, the relationships in many cases are formed, albeit you have to sort of remold some of those relationships from the perspective of your new role. Um, Was that a difficult thing to, uh, to adjust to, um, you know, knowing the same people but um, having that, that different relationship? In, in my situation, it wasn't, and I don't think that's because I did anything special. I just, I think, again, we are incredibly blessed at Texas Health to have a very strong culture and all of the executive leadership leadership that I work with um, really made that transition mentally for me. And it was almost as if we just kept moving along. And I really, again, credit that to our organizational culture, our, our leadership philosophies kind of from the top down. Um, I report to the CEO, Barclay Burdan, and he has long established himself as somebody who's very big on growing and promoting internally, which obviously is something I'm grateful for. Um, and when you create that kind of culture in an organization, people learn to adjust to internal individuals and new roles very quickly, which is, which is very helpful. Now, um, prior to, to Texas Health, you were working with Perot or like doing interim roles? How did, how did that work? Yes, most of my career was spent with uh, Perot Systems in the healthcare outsourcing group, and as part of that, my, my client was Tenant Healthcare, and so I spent the better part of my career working with Tenant, and um, because of the nature of the relationship with Perot and Tenant, I was very fortunate to have served in a variety of, of different capacities, which quite candidly gave me a large volume of exposure in a very compressed time frame that um, most of us normally in a career would, would take a little bit more time just because in a traditional role, you don't tend to float to different areas so much. Um, but it was an, an incredible opportunity for me to work with, with both organizations, and I'm very grateful for the variety of opportunities that I was given. Yeah. And is having that, that experience under your belt something that you think impacts the way you approach some situations? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, the broader any of our individual perspectives are as we face any given situation or decision, um, the more we have to pull from the experience bank as to what worked and didn't work. And having that sort of rapid-fire exposure to different areas really just helped to um, round out my perspective. So, you know, traditionally, people in, in, in my role kind of come up through one track. They may have had a deep technology background. They may have had a deep applications background. They may have been a business leader who kind of gets technology, but I feel very grateful that my exposure was broad, and so it's helped me be comfortable discussing everything from the risk and execution associated with a data center migration to consumerism and how getting onto one system can help our digital capabilities and help meet the consumer needs. 
And, and without that broad range of experience, um, I'm not sure I would be as ready to handle that wide sweeping set of conversations. Right. Right. Now, we talked a little bit before about some of the, the, the challenges of, of being part of a large organization, but what do you feel are, are the biggest benefits of, of being part of an organization that has such wide reach? Well, first and foremost, it's just the opportunity to impact more lives. Um, mm-hmm. I think you yourself know being associated with the healthcare industry and me too, although we don't directly touch patients. There's a different purpose we all have as, as being part of healthcare. And so just knowing how broad of a community impact we can have is a fantastic built-in advantage for size. Mm-hmm. For a more tactical level, obviously the larger you grow, the more your economies of scale grow. And so some of the challenges that are faced by a rural hospital or even a smaller health system when you think about large-scale initiatives like an EPIC or like a data center cost, your economies of scale are whittled, and so it becomes a little more difficult of a value proposition to manage. And so as we execute at that tactical level, we try really hard to take advantage of those economies of scale. Right. Well, the, the last thing I wanted to touch on was work-life balance, um, something that, that's also mentioned a lot uh, as a challenge for, for CIOs and just wanted to, to get your take on, on how you can try to uh, maintain some balance and how maybe being a parent affects that. <laughs> yeah. The challenge for sure right? that we all face. Right. Yeah. In our industry, we're always busy, but there are certainly peaks and valleys of what I'll call high energy. And so, for example, right now, our organization is definitely at a peak of high energy. And so what I'm trying to do that I mentioned earlier is ensure that we keep people focused on those priorities and some of the operational improvements or view we take on the data we get back on how we're performing, we have to just be smart about where we're asking people to expend their efforts because you you can't keep – a sprinter's pace for a marathon, that's for sure. But you have to understand that there are certain portions of the race where you have to kick it into that high gear. But more importantly, where you have to recognize the portions of the race that require some energy conservation. And so I I feel it's myself and my leader's responsibility to help meter that pacing for our group so that they can achieve the greatest balance of home and work when you take the long-term view of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly not not an easy one, and it's something that's become more of a focus with with Chime, which I'm I'm really glad to see because I think that uh, people need those bits of wisdom, but they also need to sometimes be be given permission to not check your phone sometimes or just be part of uh, their their children's activities and things like that. Yeah, absolutely, and again start in any organization with leadership because if you have leaders who aren't figuring out how to use those pacing moments in the race to allow everybody to collect their breath and recharge and refuel and and devote time to their family, it makes it difficult. And eventually, if you just keep asking people to sprint, they burn out, which is which is not good for anybody involved. And so family is of utmost importance to me. And so I try to respect that with everybody in the organization. And and the other key component, at least for us, 
is we have tremendous leadership in our IT department. And so we work really hard to make sure everybody understands what they're responsible for and they're accountable for it so that the listing, so to speak, is spread evenly and we don't have anybody who is lifting more than they should in the vein of getting things done, but instead growing others to help them lift and everybody lift to their accountability. And that's really important too. Right. Okay. Um, well, that, I know we've, uh, we've covered a lot, so I, I want to thank you so much for, for your time. And I think that it's going to be really interesting for our, our readers and listeners to hear about uh, what you guys have going on and, and also about, you know, really that the philosophy that guides your organization. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Kate. Anytime. Sure. And I hope to talk with you again down the road. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.